This episode is all about community. It's all about trust. And I was honestly stuck about how to begin it until I remembered, honestly, one of my favorite novels, Cormac McCarthy's The Road. There's a passage in this novel that is, I think, poignant and one that applies in so many of life's circumstances, especially business. You may not ever think to look there, but it's there and it is arresting. If you know the story, and I won't be giving away much, the father and son traversing this deserted wasteland of a post-apocalyptic world can't really trust anyone. In fact, the father, while encouraging his son and telling him that there are in fact good people out there in the world, is incredibly defensive and has to always stay on his guard because it turns out most people that they meet aren't good. In fact, most people that they meet are wishing them ill. And so there's a scene in which the boy finally challenges his father. He says, there are other good guys. You said so. And the father responds, yes. And the son responds, so where are they? They're hiding. Who are they hiding from? From each other. And if that doesn't hit you right between the eyes, I don't know what will. Because the truth is, a lot of times, it's not that there aren't good people out there. It's that we don't open ourselves up to them. And you'll hear in this episode from Dr. Henry Cloud that trust requires vulnerability. You'll get a sense of what that takes. But here's why it's worth the risk. You cannot achieve your goals unless you are willing to trust in friends, trust in community, trust in others who will help you get there. Hi, I'm Joel Miller, Chief Product Officer here at Full Focus. And today we are talking about why you need a community to achieve your goals. Michael and Megan are going to start us off with a conversation around building a community for achievement, and they're going to provide three reasons for it. Following that, we're going to talk with Dr. Henry Cloud about his new book, Trust, knowing when to give it, when to withhold it, how to earn it, and how to fix it when it gets broken. All right, Ken, do you know what's happening right now? No, I have no idea. <laughs> well, first of all, it's your favorite time of year, finally. It's, yes! We can act, okay, like I give approval for us to actually listen to Christmas music now that Thanksgiving's over. Jingle bells, jingle Yes. Uh, it's our holiday sale here at Full Focus. Oh, And we have better. some really awesome deals going on, especially if for some reason you missed out on our Black Friday deals. This is a great time to get your planners and everything for the new year. And so we have got uh, some awesome deals. So we've got 10% off site-wide. Um, we've got where you can get a free um, Your Best Year Ever vinyl sticker pack. For any new planner subscri subscription that you sign up for. So these are great to put on things like your Stanley mug. Wow, you already put them on yeah. your Stanley mug? And if are you got them, them if you got them on Black Friday, these are different. These are these are gonna be new for the new year. Uh, but they're great for that. You can also put them on your planner, you can put them on your computer, wherever you want them. 
they but they're great. great. They're great stickers. We're also doing 25% off courses. Let's go. So specifically, we've been talking a lot about our goal setting course. Um, and this is going to be $75 off and you get a free ticket to your best year ever live with your purchase. So you definitely don't, it's huge. like a crazy, crazy, crazy deal. So you don't want to miss out on that. And your favorite thing, which is our certification program we're doing $800 off of it. And this is a fantastic time of year to get in. Um, we are actually going to be doing a beta group for our new digital planner. Yes. It's going to be fantastic. Crazy exciting. So anyways, go to fullfocusstore.com now shop our holiday sale. Make sure to use the code holiday 10 to get all these deals and more. We're back and it's time for that conversation with Michael and Megan. Again, they're going to walk us through three reasons you need a community to achieve your goals. Let's jump in. You know, one of the hardest things about being a business owner, about being an executive, it's almost cliche. I mean, it is cliche. People say it's lonely at the top, right? And I know that I've experienced some of that in my career where Suddenly you wake up one day and you're the boss and everybody works for you, which means that there's really nobody left, your former coworkers in some cases, there's nobody left for you to talk about the challenges and the opportunities that you're facing in your business. And it can be really difficult because very often as business owners, we're always at the edge of our ability. We're always as far out as we've ever been. And so we're pushing the edge of our comfort zone all the time, which I think means that we have a need for support and encouragement and validation and all that kind of stuff. But for the most part, it's not going to happen inside our business. So then the question becomes, if we're going to really reach our potential, if we're going to become everything we can be, where do we get that support and, and what's really needed? You know, my own experience, this is something that I've really struggled with. I have struggled with finding friends who are fellow CEOs, and in my case, women CEOs in particular. You know, I think there are unique challenges that uh, women CEOs face, women business owners. And so for a long time, I just felt like I was little a little island of one, you know. And then over time, I developed a couple of really neat friendships that continue to become more and more important to me. Two friends, actually, that I had on the podcast several episodes back, Trisha Shortino, who is the CEO of Belay, and then um, Shannon Litton, who is the CEO and owner of Five by Five. And, you know, those two women have become really important to me. Shannon and I walk together. We've had to take a little break during a foot injury of mine, but we've walked together twice a week for quite a while. And that's just when we can talk about everything. We can talk about our kids. We can talk about our businesses, big decisions we're trying to make, opportunities that we haven't told anybody else about, you know, and it's so awesome. And then Trisha and I talk about once a quarter and then sometimes in between as well and just kind of update each other on what's going on and run things by each other. And it's so helpful But I've been really intentional about those relationships, which I was not for a while. And I think, um, you know, if you want to reach your potential, you're not going to be able to do it alone. So today we're just going to talk about, okay, how do you intentionally cultivate the kind of relationships that you need in order to be your best and show up as your best as a business owner, as a CEO? So on the day that I became the CEO of Thomas Nelson Publishers back in 2005, I get a phone call and the phone call is from John Maxwell. Yes, the John Maxwell. And he's become a pretty good friend of mine because I'm his publisher. And he congratulated me on the phone call. 
And then the next thing he said is, um, he said, you know, you've heard that it's lonely at the top, right? And I said, yes, I've heard that. He said, well, that's a choice. Mm. And everybody else was telling me the exact opposite. And it was just kind of, you know, this mythology that was passed from one person to another, that if you're going to be at the top, you know, you're going to sacrifice all your friendships, all your ability to relate to other people, and you're not going to be able to have the support and the encouragement that you might expect from a group of friends, because after all, it's lonely at the top. And and John basically just threw cold water on that and and put the power back into my hands, where it made, made it clear to me that if I was going to be lonely, that was a choice I was going to make, which immediately I started thinking, okay, if I'm not going to be lonely at the top, what do I need to do? What has to be true? And that's what sent me on almost immediately this quest to find some friends who could understand the world that I was was in and could offer support and all the rest. But the part of what we want to talk about today is three reasons why you can't afford to go it alone in business. It's like the worst thing you can do. And I have um, a set of clients who run a financial services industry, and one of the things that they talk about a lot is that we run together in a pack. Mm. And that if you're a lone wolf, you're going to get picked off. But the idea of, of running in a pack is a great idea for a lot of reasons. And we're going to give you three of them in this episode. First reason that you can't afford to go it alone in business is learning. It's kind of like we're always in beta mode. Like I said at the beginning of this episode, you know, when you're leading a business, very often, at least in some way, even if you've led something bigger in the past, you're always as far as you've ever been, which means you've got to be continuously growing and learning and expanding because otherwise you become the cap on the potential of your business. So you've got to to always be learning. But the problem is none of us have the internal resources we need to become everything that we're going to need to become. You know, you don't know everything you're going to need to know in the future. If you did, you'd already be there, you know? So you're going to have to get that from other people. And that's uh, one of the reasons why you've got to have a community. You've got to have people around you who have different skills than you do, different strengths, different uh, experiences so that you can grow into that person that you need to be. The good news is we live at a time where there's all kinds of groups of uh, different interest groups. And there's lots of group for entrepreneurs and business owners. There's associations, there's group coaching, there's sort of loosely connected masterminds. So a lot of ways to do this, but I think intuitively, All of us that are in business know that we need other people and we need them because our learning is never finished. You know, whether you got out of high school or college or graduate school, you may think that that's the end of your education, but honestly, a lot of that education doesn't apply to what you're about to do as a, as a business owner or a business leader. And even if it did, you didn't get a chance to apply it in the specific context you find yourself in now. So this is why I became a staunch believer in group coaching where there was a community that that you could really draw upon. And we have an element of this in our business accelerator coaching program where we create that community. And I can remember that, that Stu McLaren said, well, initially, and he's a good friend of ours, but he said initially that people will come for you initially, 
but they will stay because of the community. Because if you think about it, there's a lot of things that that you can't get without a, without community. And this ongoing learning is so valuable because now you're in it. Now you're alert in a way that you're not in college because there's there's not a real live case study in front of you where you can apply it. But now you're you're trying to survive. You're trying to thrive. And so to put yourself into a coaching program or into an association or into a mastermind where you can learn from people who are also in the same situation with you or in a similar situation. And I, I think it's enormously helpful for learning. Now, one caution. I think it's easy to think if I could just get people that are in the same industry. So if you're in book publishing like I was, I would just get together with my trade, the people of my trade association. And I, I did that. In fact, I led our trade association for a number of years. But the problem is you all have the same presuppositions, the same biases, the same limiting beliefs, the same knowledge base, and it really keeps you from advancing like you could and what you could learn from you know, parallel industries. And that's why I'm, I remember when I got into a mastermind that I was in a number of years ago, everybody was in a, in a slightly different industry. And then when I got into a coaching program a few years later, that was definitely the case. I was sitting next to people who were in industries that I had no knowledge of. But it was astonishing how helpful that was in terms of my own learning because they could see things that were obvious to them but weren't obvious to me. And, you know, you've, we've heard the, the metaphor before, but it's like, you know, when you're in it, it's like trying to read the label on a Coke bottle. You're in the Coke bottle and you can't see it. And that's exactly what happens in business without some outside perspective to help you read the label. Well, the other thing that's cool about a group of any kind is that there's an element of competition in it. You know, so as you see people who are doing well in their business or who are learning this thing, maybe they're becoming proficient at uh, how to use AI in their business, for example, it kind of spurs you on to, to want to keep up with them. And so it's that idea of rising tides raise all ships. And so you can actually learn more, not just because of your exposure to additional information through those people or through what you're learning, but also because you're just inspired to, to be like the people in that group. And if everybody's committed to learning, then that can be uh, really helpful. The other thing I was thinking about, you know, in our book, Mind Your Mindset, one of the things that we talk about with regard to how do you um, think the kind of thoughts or tell yourself the kind of stories that are ultimately going to lead you to take the actions that you need to take to get the results that you really want in your life or in your business. And one of the things that we discuss is the fact that sometimes, depending on the circumstances, there are thoughts that you just don't have access to. You're just not going to be able to think these things because they would never occur to you because of your limited experience or maybe your limiting beliefs or your history or whatever. And bringing in outside resources can be so helpful in terms of getting a breakthrough in your thinking if you're trying to solve a problem or whatever, um, or, or just think of a new way to go to the next level because these people that are totally outside of your context, but also in terms of like your industry or your specific business problems, but share a lot of commonalities like being business owners or entrepreneurs or CEOs or whatever, they're going to have thoughts that are applicable to you, but not accessible to you. And that's one of the great things about building a community intentionally. You know, Meg, you talked about competition, and, and certainly I recognize how that works inside of a group, and I'm very competitive myself. 
But I think also it shows you, uh, expands your horizon for what's possible. Yeah. And I can remember sitting uh, with my friend Dan Miller at a Brendan Burchard conference, and we had our wives, Joanne and Gail, were both there too. And we were sitting and we listened to Brendan talk about how the fact, the fact that he had just passed $10 million in revenue. Now, he's probably, you know, quadruple that now. But at the time, my business was doing just slightly over a million dollars. And my head exploded because I thought that at a million dollars, you know, that was like the pinnacle. I mean, how, how could you possibly hope for much more? But he was in a similar business and was basically doing nine or 10x of what I was doing. And just uh, being around another entrepreneur in a similar business as mine really expanded my thinking about what's possible. And so all of a sudden, I started shooting for that number. So that was probably the competition uh, that came in. But, you know, we blew past that a few years ago. And now I'm thinking of even bigger numbers. But a lot of that's because of being in a community with people that, that do bigger numbers, that do bigger revenue numbers. And guess what? They're not that different than I am. Right. You know, they're not that much smarter. They're not uh, that much more experienced. They don't have a better Rolodex, if people even know what that is anymore. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, just that, it's just that they think in a different way about it. And to, to be able to be with those people and learn from them, to be in that community, was hugely helpful for my business. Well, that leads us to the second reason why you need to build a community if you're a business owner or CEO, and that is encouragement. Dad, how have you seen this play out? Well, again, to go back to Thomas Nelson, when I became the CEO and I started, and after I heard John Maxwell exhort me that, you know, if I'm going to be lonely, that's a choice, then one of the things I started to, to do was to look for people that I could put together in a group that were enough similar that we had similar problems, but not so similar that we were all trying to read the label from the outside of the bottle. Mm. So in Nashville, where I live and where my company was, we were a publicly held company. And so I, I somehow networked with two other public company CEOs. One of them was the CEO of Tractor Supply. The other one was the CEO of, of Central Parking. Both of them are retired from those companies, but they were large publicly held companies. And so we decided that we would get together once a quarter and basically just for the encouragement, because that's a situation when you're running a public company where it's tricky. You know, you're you're kind of on the top of the mountain, you feel like, and there's a lot of people trying to push you off and to just understand what we're all going through. But here's where it proved to be immensely valuable. Each of our companies, all three of us, we were bought by private equity within 12 months of each other. Mm, I don't think and I so knew that. so now all of a sudden, we had this shared experience of going from being a publicly held company, which was not a cakewalk. There were challenges to that. It was, I mean, enormous privilege, but it was also not easy. And then to be bought by private equity, which I think for all of us proved to be more challenging than even running a public, publicly held company. And so to get together with them and, and just kind of normalize my experience to know that what I was going through wasn't because, you know, there was something wrong with me or I was making the wrong decisions, but there was something in the nature of the relationship that was affecting all of us really enabled me to cope and to get through that experience because I knew I wasn't alone. 
You know, this makes me think about my friend Shannon that I was talking about earlier in this episode. And when I think back to last year, you know, I was saying that we walked together a couple of times a week. And I remember sharing with her about some problems that I was facing. And uh, she was telling me that she had read a book that she thought would be um, helpful. And she recommended that book to me. And she said, you know, we went through some really similar stuff several years back. And and then uh, I used what I learned in this book. and It was great. So at that point, that was actually prior to us walking together. I got the book, really enjoyed it. It was super helpful. And then I remember talking to her once we were kind of into this walking routine that we had about it. And she, I decided to implement some of those same things, including, not that this was particular to the book that I read, but um, I, I determined that we needed to do a restructure in the company because our business needs had changed. You know, we just needed to align the team with the vision of where we were going. And uh, that was going to mean some adjustments. And obviously, if you've ever been through that, it's a really hard decision. And she was so helpful because while that wasn't something that she had maybe gone through exactly herself, what she had gone through is making big organizational decisions before and then being further down the road with those decisions that were, you know, parallel in some ways and seeing the benefit of those. And so it was really helpful for me as I was struggling with, you know, is it going to be worth it? You know, can I do this well, all that kind of stuff. And she was so encouraging, because she was farther down the road. And I think that's one of the gifts that we get to give each other as friends when we have this kind of professional personal thing going on, is that sometimes one of us is ahead or behind of the other one. And depending on which position you're in, you can really encourage the other friend because um, you know what that's like. You know, you know those challenges, but you can also give them hope. And I think that was part of what Shannon did for me in that situation, trying to make that big decision, is she similarly had made made big decisions um, that, you know, were hard to make and got to the other side and was in the in the part of it where she was seeing the return on that investment. And that gave me the courage that I needed to make some tough decisions. Okay, so the first reason why you don't want to go it alone is because that when you're in a small group or in a community, you have an opportunity to learn. The second one is encouragement. The third one is accountability. And it's hard the further you go to find people that are enough peers that they can hold you accountable and you can hold them them accountable. And that sounds like it can be kind of a negative thing, you know, but I, I think it's really positive, particularly when they're holding you accountable to something you're choosing or something you want. So there's a very small group of entrepreneurs that, I get together with on maybe once or twice a year. And uh, we've traveled together and we have these long conversations together when when we talk about our business goals and what it is we're trying to accomplish. And the cool thing about it is um, it's just three of us that are entrepreneurs, but we bring our spouses and they're very engaged in the conversation as well. And so recently we got together and there was kind of a goal that we wanted to take in, take on, and I don't want to get into it because it's confidential, but a goal that several of us wanted to take on. And it was just helpful to just kind of put ourselves out there and all of us committed to a date that we wanted to make this happen. And so now we have a text thread that, that we do on messages and we're just going back and forth and we're checking in on, on each other occasionally. Well, how's that going? You know, you said you were going to do this. How's that going? And just the fact that I'm in a group, it reminds me of Years ago when I was trying to run, I didn't think I wanted to be in a running group, but after I joined a running group, 
It was amazing. It was so much easier to run with a group than to try to run on my own. It was lonely running on my own. There was no accountability. There was no encouragement. But to get to, together with another group that would hold me accountable, all I had to basically do was show up and the rest took care of itself. And I would say that this has been true with this group of entrepreneurs as well. You know, one of the other pieces of this idea of accountability is celebration. And we hear this a lot from our business accelerator clients. In fact, um, we just heard from one the other day who was talking about the friendships that they had made in the program, some of the best friends of their life. In fact, I talked to two different clients who were telling me this. And I loved that because I think a lot of business owners have experienced that that thing that happens when you accomplish something really big, you know, maybe you hit your big revenue goal for the year, or you launched a product and it exceeded your expectations, or, um, you know, I don't know, whatever, things like that, right? And and then you feel like you kind of can't tell anybody in your social circle, or if you do, you have to downplay it. And this is one of the things that um, Shannon and I have talked about sometimes is just how, like when you're talking with, with other people, like moms that your kids go to school with or people at church or something like that, you just feel like you need to, rightly or wrongly, diminish what you do because it can feel, um, it can feel like you're, you know, bragging or something. And what's awesome is when you're with people who get it, who that's their world too, you can say, hey, we we exceeded our annual revenue target by 20% or, you know, this book ended up on, you know, such and such a bestseller list or whatever. And it's so cool um, to be able to freely celebrate with people who are not going to be threatened by your success and also who are willing to hold you accountable. I think that's one of the greatest benefits of having a community of people who are in this world, in this water that you're swimming in. That's good. And for some of us, to be honest, celebration doesn't come that easily. True. And that's the great thing about a small group, a group of people that you're holding yourself accountable to, people that you're learning with, people that you're encouraging. When you do hit a milestone or when you do accomplish something significant, You've got people that'll actually get it, like you were talking about, that'll understand it, that'll appreciate it, and not make you feel small or make you be small because you don't want to eclipse them or sound like you're bragging or whatever. So the three reasons that you cannot afford to go it alone in business are reason number one, learning. Reason number two, encouragement. And reason number three, accountability. You know, I think that um, this is one of those areas that really helps to reduce the friction. It's kind of like a lubricant of business in a way. You know, there's a lot of friction in being a business owner. There's a lot of challenges that we face. And when you have the right support system, when you're intentional about it, it gives you the right lubrication to kind of reduce that friction so that as you're going through challenging things, as you're facing big decisions and exciting opportunities, you have the support system you need to make high quality decisions to get the support um, to, you know, weather those tough things that you're going to go through and have uh, encouragement along the way. Yeah, I think just to circle back to where we started, or at least where I started, you know, with John Maxwell's admonition, I, I think you have to be intentional about this. You know, community is not one of those things at the top that that is just going to happen by accident. You have to cause it because you're going to be very busy. You are very busy as a business leader. You don't have time for one more thing, but this is the one more thing that can really add value and make the rest of it work much, much better. So let me just encourage you, if you don't have a community, 
go create one. You know, call a couple people that that you know that are entrepreneurs. Again, don't worry if they're in the same industry or not. Doesn't really matter. But just to get together, do it as an experiment. This doesn't have to be forever. But uh, get together, not too often, but often enough that you get to know one another and that you maintain the continuity of the group. But it can make all the difference. Thinking over those three reasons Michael and Megan provided, you know, the first one stands out to me the most, learning. The reality is that you only know what you know. If you want to know more, if, importantly, you need to know more than what you currently know, you're going to have to get that from someplace. And that's usually another human, maybe in the form of a book, possibly in the form of an article, or even a podcast. But best of all, is an in-person relationship. And that in-person relationship will require some trust. It will require the ability to risk a little, to be vulnerable. And that's what we're gonna talk about next with Dr. Henry Cloud. We'll pick that conversation up after the break. Marissa, I cannot tell you how excited I am for your best year ever live coming up January 5th. Yes, I'm so excited too. I can't wait. Yes, this is the event that you would want to come attend if you're just like, man, I want to look at how well did I do in the past, but I also want to set myself up for success to have, like we call it in the title, your best year ever. This is the event you want to be at. We have thousands of people coming to this event already. And you and I will be emceeing this event. Yes. So there's going to be a lot of fun, a lot of excitement to come join us to make it a great year for you. Now, in order for you to receive it, all you have to do is buy the full focus goal setting course and you get a ticket to your best year ever. Yes. And the best part is that that course is 25% off right now. So uh, you're going to get a discount and a ticket to the live event, which is normally $197. That's a killer deal. So it's a killer deal. It's a no-brainer in my opinion. Um, But definitely join us. It's going to be so much fun. January 5th, it's totally virtual. So no matter where you are in the world or, um, you know, whether you can get on a plane or not, don't worry about it. You don't have to. You can do this from the comfort of your own home and we'll be right there. Yeah. And just imagine having your goals already set for the entire year and a plan to execute them. Yeah. That's worth all the money that you can. And the best part, it's a free event for you if you buy the Full Focus Goal Setting Course. Yes. All right. Well, we would love to see you there. So make sure to go to fullfocusstore.com and take advantage of this deal. We'd love to see you at your best driver live. I'm excited to have Dr. Henry Cloud back on the show. You may recall, in fact, that this is his second appearance on the Business Accelerator podcast. This time he's here to talk about his new book, Trust. And this is one of those conversations that'll open some windows of understanding. Dr. Cloud says that trust is the fuel for all of life. And if you think about it, that's right. Like the economy doesn't work. Your business doesn't work. None of your relationships work. Pretty much nothing works unless one person can trust another person. And collectively, all of us can to one degree or another trust each other. The minute that breaks down, everything breaks down. The reason is pretty straightforward. We're not only biologically wired to trust, as Dr. Henry Cloud says, but we require that trust in order to accomplish the things that we need to accomplish. But trust is more than just a default setting. We can do it well or we can do it poorly. And that's why I wanted to talk with Dr. Cloud. Let's jump in. 
Dr. Cloud, welcome back to Business Accelerator. Joe, it's good to be on with you guys. What a great group y'all are. So I'm always happy to get to talk to you. Thank you. Well, I wanted to jump into your book, Trust. Specifically, I wanted to ask you first why you felt the topic of trust was relevant for a book-length treatment. Well, it's interesting. You know, I'm I'm not an author the way I think about it. You know, written a gazillion, <laughs> gazillion books now, but but I'm a practitioner, and so I spend you know probably a hundred days a year in the war rooms with CEOs and executive teams, and many times their their cultures are offsites, and probably about fifteen years ago or so. Um, I just started getting called in basically to situations or cultures or businesses where there's a breakdown in trust. And sometimes it can even be with the customers, not even inside the walls. And so back then I started really doing a deep dive into, you know, all the research and the science and the business literature and everything about what, what is, what, what are the components that actually make trust work? And so I've been doing this a long time and I just started to, you know, run into, gosh, is this written down anywhere? You know, can we use it? And, and so I thought, well, it's probably time to write the book. But but the issue has been alive in, in the real work um, for a long time, and I can't overemphasize it. You, in fact, call trust the fuel for all of life. Tell, unpack that phrase just a little bit. Well, it... It literally is. I mean, if you if you think about it, there is nothing in life that we can do without trust. Right. Literally everything depends on trust. And when you get into business, you know, engagement of your teams, it, there's nothing worse than somebody with one foot in and one foot out, right? We want right. people fully in. But to be fully in, our whole system is wired to to ask a question 24-7 at the millisecond level, am I safe? You know, if I depend on this person for something, if I invest something with this person, if I follow this person, is something bad going to happen to me? And, right. and when that gets triggered, then our whole system immediately hits either pause or move against or move away, classic fight or flight syndrome. And a lot of people, Joel, think of trust as kind of this one-dimensional, well, do you trust him? Yeah, I trust him. You know, if he says it, you can believe it. And, you know, he doesn't lie, cheat, or steal. But trust is is much more, I always use the word algorithm, and it's probably not mathematically correct, but you know what we mean. There's There's a lot of factors that load unconsciously even, interpersonally even, visually, a lot of things that load into when we hit the go button. And when we move towards someone, and that's what we want. And when business leaders unpack and can see, look, there's a handful of big factors that are very actionable that I can do every day and my teams can do and that the company can do vis-a-vis, you know, our brand and our customers, things really, really start to get simpler and they start to sail. I want to come back to those actions in a minute, but I, I wanted to just develop the, the thought of how essential trust is in a business context even further. You 
list in the book several examples of of where trust is essential and how it shows up in its essentiality, to use a word that I'm not sure is actually a word. Hey, um, I love that word. I got it. <laughs> you've got things like high trust leaders are more effective across multiple measures. You've got work teams with high trust outperform teams with low trust. You've got performance turnover and customer experience are affected by trust. There's just several of these bulleted in the book where you point out multiple places where trust is really like a linchpin in performance. It is. It is. And 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 basically when you get to the to the reality of trust, what trust really means is we enter into trust when we have made ourselves vulnerable in some way to depending on somebody for something that actually matters enough to where we could get hurt by it. And I don't mean just emotionally hurt. We can get financially hurt. We can get, you know, a lot of ways hurt. And so, so for business to work, then you are having to trust people all the time for performance to go up. I mean, think about, um, you know, I was on an airplane one time and uh, uh, when I was working on this and, and the guy said next to me, so, so what are you working on? I said, oh, I'm writing a book on trust. And he goes, well, I don't trust anybody. I said, really? He said, absolutely not. You can only trust yourself. I learned a long time ago, you really can't trust people. And I said, well, I'm also a psychologist, and I think you're crazy. <laughs> he goes, what, what do you mean? He kind of bristled. I said, I, you know what crazy means? It means psychotic. And, and psychotic means out of touch with reality. And you are out of touch with reality if you think you don't trust, because you trust all the time. He said, what are you talking about? I said, look out the window. We're 40,000 feet. You didn't get up here by yourself. <laughs> <laughs> You're trusting somebody up in that cockpit you've never met before. You trusted somebody put fuel instead of chocolate milk in this plane. You just ate lunch. You trusted the FDA to make sure it's not, you know, E. coli in there. Nothing gets done, especially at scale, without yeah. trust. And my hunch is, if you're right, let's get back to the business you know, part of this. There's nothing worse than a team or a leader with an employee needing them to go pull something off when you really are not so sure that they can do it or they might fail in some way because you, yeah. you've made a bad decision in trust. You get to investors and customers. Mm-hmm. Now we're really talking about you're having to build trust. And we know within an organization, if leaders aren't trusted, everything starts to go lower. Yeah. Trust fuels, especially brain activity, that heightens performance. Because if you're in a low trust environment, you've also got some kind of the wrong kinds of fear operating. And that can, studies have shown that can lower IQ up to 30 points. So you had a genius, you hired a genius, and now you've got, you know, certain words you can't use anymore that <laughs> you don't want to reduce the IQ of your people that you're paying a lot of money to. Well, let's talk about some of those relationships, because as I was going through the book, my my mind immediately shifted to that. So if you're a business owner, you've got clients, you've got vendors, you've got employees, you've got peers and colleagues, you've got possibly another boss above you. You have, like you mentioned, investors. 
how should no wonder no wonder these guys are tired look at all right. these people you got to take care of so let's just talk about some of those relationships how does trust show up in those places where does it get betrayed how do you how do you fix it with maybe a, a couple of those like let's think about clients vendors employees let's start with vendors because every business depends on alliances that you don't have control of yeah i mean you need your supply chain relationships to work or you need you know, whoever it is, your business depends on these these contracts you have with outside people. Well, the number one factor in trust is understanding, mm-hmm. meaning we trust someone when we feel like they truly understand what I need from them. Because a lot of vendors or this and that, they got their own way of doing this or that. And if they don't have the ability, and if you can't, and this is where leaders, you know, or anybody doing a contract with an outside vendor, they're going to sell you their program or their shtick or whatever it is. But when you run into one who actually takes the time and shows certain behaviors, where they're really interested in understanding what your true needs are Mm -hmm. and what's going to make you win or make you fail or cause you pain. And you see a focus that is oriented towards trying to know you and your needs. You got a vendor that you really say, okay, he gets us. He He or she knows what we need. And that's where it all begins. And it goes to the biochemical level. I mean, there are chemical transactions that happen inside of your brain when we feel like somebody understands us. I, I, I saw about this one day um, in in a leadership event. And, and afterwards, um, a guy walks up to me and says, I'm the lead hostage negotiator for the FBI. And he said, everything you just talked about is our training program. Wow. I said, I said, what do you mean? He said, well, you know, we get a call where, where somebody is holed up in a bank with a bomb strapped to them and 25 hostages, we don't do, just like you said, we don't walk in and start, you know, like persuading them, dude, this is a bad idea. You know, this is stupid. Put the bomb down. This could not end well. That's not what we do. We walk in and we say, hey, I'm, I'm, I'm Joel, and they sent me up here to talk to you, so tell me your name. And then you get the name, and you say, so, so, Jason, how did we get here today? What's going on? And gradually, they're able, through deep listening, deep empathy, deep mirroring, and a lot of things that go really have a physiological basis before they go into the psychology and before they go into the behavior of that person, when they're feeling understood, the system starts to let go a little bit. And it's not pushing against or moving away. And inside they're going, maybe maybe there's a chance this guy really gets me and why I'm here. And so it, it all begins that way. And there's nothing better than having vendor relationships. And you know, they know what you need mm-hmm. the most from them. Hugely important. Just to... Come back. I don't want to get too far off that, but I want to underscore a point that you just said and is in the book that 
we're biologically wired to trust. I found that phrase fascinating. Um, I just wanted to make sure we landed there for half a second. This yeah. is something that's ingrained in us. This is normal. Not only is it normal and ingrained, we die without it. I mean, if you yeah. want to talk about human functioning, when an infant is born and the mother picks up the infant, there, there are interchanges biologically and neurologically in, you know, everybody's heard the phrase mirror neurons. It goes to feeling and seeing that somebody is really with me and they see me. And then that kicks off. The biggest one of these is something called oxytocin, which is called the bonding chemical. It's why when people fall in love, you know, they go psychotic until six months later and the ether wears off, right? <laughs> but there's this instant, I'll give you everything. I found the one, you know, and, it, and it's it's a drug trip. Yeah. But it's, it's a good drug trip because it's it propels us to love that leader more. And to love that customer more and to love that, that investor to love you more. So they give you more the capital that you need or your bank or whatever it is. So it really is outside of our control, but it's a result of behaviors that we can control. And that's where when leaders start to really understand that you don't understand somebody when you understand them. You understand them when they understand that you understand and they feel like this company gets me as a customer. This cust this company, they get me. They know what I need. They know what matters to me. And I'm attuned to that. And then we start to say, we might have a chance to do a business here. So let's shift to uh, employees for a minute. Talk about some of these aspects of trust in relationship to employees. Okay, so so I was working with with one company, for example, that has a lot of, you know, branches and there's equipment that's needed in those. And so home office sends this stuff out, right? And they do this big rollout. Well, I've heard people in the branches say, did whoever designed that, have they ever been in one of our, <laughs> in one of our buildings? They, they, they didn't deeply deeply understand leaders are there to equip and empower people to be able to do their best. And if we don't really understand what they need, either emotionally, behaviorally, policy-wise, you know, equipment-wise, information-wise, contact-wise, all that kind of stuff, if we're just doing what we think, and they don't feel known by us. They go, my leadership doesn't get it. He's clueless. She's clueless. I mean, I went in and talked to him, and all it did was kind of invalidate everything I said and kind of persuade me to do it their way. Leaders have got to persuade people. But you'll never persuade somebody until off of their position. I mean, listening doesn't mean we agree with the bomber that this is a good idea, but they feel so understood that after that connection can happen and they know that you're on the same side of the table with them against the problem, after that has happened, that's when you can start leading and persuading, but not before. But they don't have your trust before that, so there's no way they're going to even listen. They don't have the first building block of trust. It's almost yeah. like, that's, that's why he said it's the, it's the foundation. In the book, you mentioned four other building blocks for trust. 
I'm just going to run through the list real fast, but I want to hone in on a couple. Uh, motive is one. Uh, yeah. Ability is another. Yeah. Character and then track record. I want to focus on those last two. Tell us what is the difference between character and morality? Morality is a subset of character. And this is a big problem with trust, you know, especially in business. You know, we think, can I hire this person? They have good character. What does that mean? It means they're honest. It means they won't lie to me. It means they're the same person in public that they are in private. They're not duplicitous. And those are all, all moral constructs, which are absolutely foundational. They're foundational for trust. If you've got somebody that lies, cheats, or steals, they don't even have permission to play. They shouldn't be there. Okay. But that's not enough to trust them in the ways specifically context bound that you need to trust them. Another one you mentioned is track record. You talk about uh, that we're always building maps of other people and that idea of character, that really is essentially a track record. And you say that problems are not the problem, patterns are the problem. Tell us more about that. Back to the first thing you said, we live life, all of life, based on mental maps that we have constructed through some experience, okay? If you just moved into a new house and you walk down the stairs the first time and it's kind of dark and you haven't lived there enough and you're going to the kitchen to get coffee in the morning, you kind of, you know, where's the couch? (laughs) I, I haven't done this before. But you do it a few times, and you don't even need the light on. You just go because you know the map. Until somebody, you know, left a basketball in the (laughs) – then all of a sudden, you know, everything changes. Well, that's a problem, right? You can operate according to your pattern, and we run into a problem, and then you fix the problem. You talk to your teenager and say, dude, I almost tripped over this basketball. Don't do that again. Okay, Dad, I won't do that anymore. And then you can you can still depend on your map, okay? But if we don't solve that problem, and somebody has a track record of now he's leaving it there every second or third day, I can't trust him anymore. Now I got to turn on the lights. Now work just got harder, and people have patterns. You got a problem to solve. You want to go talk to your leader about it, and you're going to talk to him, and he goes, what is wrong with you? I told you, I hired you to, you know, and this is so simple. What do you, you know, and and they get, you know, kind of amped up, and you go, okay, and you leave. Well, tomorrow you got a problem, and gosh, I need to talk to my leader, but then you go, but wait a minute. (laughs) The last time I went in there, that didn't work. I'm going to go talk. I'm going to figure this out on my own, you know. Because our brains are always asking the question, what happened the last time? Now, you can get away with screwing it up once or twice, but if you have a pattern, people depend on you based on the patterns that you have that they learn to be careless about. They don't have to worry about going and talking to you. They don't have to worry about this or that because you've built a track record of responding in a certain way or delivering a product in a certain way. I, I worked with a company one time, and and they missed a deadline on a product launch, 
because sales had gone out there and sold features that R&D couldn't make in time because they didn't tell them, you know, and they didn't understand each other about how much time was involved in this and that. And they missed a product launch. Well, the reason was there was a conflict of trust between the R&D C-suite guy and, and the sales and marketing person. And they missed it. Well, six months later, they missed another one. All right, now you've got a pattern, and here's the problem. You're no longer the company that people are depending on. You're no longer the company that missed a deadline, which everybody can understand. You are the company that misses deadlines. So that's why pattern and track record psychologically is everything, because we build maps. Mm-hmm. You can go down a road you know well, and there's a detour because they're fixing a hole in it that day, and you go, well, that's a blip. But if it's there five days in a row, you're going to find another route, meaning they're going to find another leader to listen to, or the customer's going to find another person to buy from. Well, that leads us into actions we can take to be to be considered more trustworthy, to, to find more opportunities to trust teammates uh, to retain trust better in these various relationships we're talking about, clients, vendors, employees, et cetera. Tell us what some of those actions are. Well, first thing, you know, if we go through the, the five factors, what I like to see people do is really, really have checklists, if you will, on how am I doing in specific behaviors in each column, because if we have a gap in one, the whole thing begins to to get shaky. You know, if you got one rafter that's screwed up in your in your house, then the you know when the earthquakes come where I live, <laughs> the, the whole thing kind of kind of shatters. So, so I um, I just did an offsite with a um, with a company that um, is growing by by acquisitions, and we got. We got all the leaders together in a room from the newly, the last 50 leaders of the newly acquired, you know, small shops that they bought. Mm-hmm. And we literally put up on the board, what does the mothership really need to, number one, understand from you what you really need to make this integration work and not disrupt your business? Okay. And we we listed those. And, you know, you just need, you don't want to overwhelm people. You just want two or three behaviors and actions that are going to cause that. And, and, and then they started to have actionable plans to what kind of methods are we going to have to be able to listen to each other at some kind of cadence. And, and then the second one was motive. And you got the mothership and you got the branches. And you asked the question, we want you guys to feel like we are for you. Our motive is not just about what the mothership needs because we're ramping this thing up to sell it to another private equity firm in three in three years. So it's not just about our needs to increase value. We need to know your needs so you know that this isn't all about our sale three to five years from now. But it's also, it's not just our agenda. We're here for you as well. And we want you to win. 
So first you got to understand, and then you've got to show them it's not about, it's not all about me. And the greatest leaders, the, the employees feel like their motive is not just to drive up their stock price or, you know, for, for what works for them and, you know, in their position, they feel like the, the best companies feel like my leader's motive, I mean, their intent is to always keep me in mind and be for my good. And they're going to look out for me even when I'm not in the room. And if you got somebody that's looking out for you when you're not in the room, then you really, really start to trust. And so you get specific behaviors that help them feel like you're really dedicated to to them winning. And you just work through, you know, you work through the five and you ask each other, what do we do that makes you kind of like, you know, doesn't feel good? And what do we do that does make you feel good in these areas? Because here's the problem, Joel. We judge ourselves according to our expectations. So I can think I'm serving you well, but I may be be behaving in a way that that's not really what you're expecting or needing to trust. And if we're not talking about these and defining these, and even around a team, I like to take teams and have them go through these conversations and say to the different roles, you know, I know you like to do this and this, but here's what we really need from your chair. Again, a lot of times that realigns a lot of activities. Yeah. And so there's, there's a lot of things like that that you can make very, very actionable that, that just really cause things to go forward. All right, let's turn it around to the negative for a minute. I want to close on what's one thing a business owner can do to screw this up? What's one thing a business owner can do to really sabotage themselves in the area of trust? Not asking yourself... What does it take for them to be able to do what I really need them to do? When, when you don't understand what that person needs in order to deliver the results that you need, then the thing breaks down. Yeah. And so I would, you know, if you said what's one thing, and, and there's not just one thing, it's sort of like, you know, what's the most important thing that you can do every day? I go, well, there's not one. How about three? How about, how about air, food, and water? We really need all three. So <laughs> it's never just one thing. But if you could, if you could walk around with the mantra in your head of, I want to be curious before I think I know. Because the reality is, there's stuff we don't know. There's blind spots. There's things that people don't reveal. There's things that we don't have proximity to to really understand and know. And if you can, I mean, ultimately, I hate to be cheesy here, but it truly is about good, old-fashioned human humility to realize I don't know what I don't know. And so I got to be on a mission with my employees 
to have them help me understand what I don't get about the customer or what I don't get about them or what I don't get about, you know, these these new agendas or policies or the timelines or, or anything. And so it really, you know, one thing we can do about trust is really get in the mindset, it's not about you. Because to get what you want as a as an employer or as a leader, the only way you're going to do it, unless you're operating a hot dog stand and you're taking the money and cooking the hot dogs and doing everything, you are going to have to depend on people. And if, if you're not building the trust to do that, it is the biggest enemy to, the lack of trust is one of the biggest enemies to scale. I mean, you can be very small and not have to trust many people. But if you're going to scale and anything's going to get bigger, by definition, you've got to depend on people. That's it for today's episode of the Business Accelerator Podcast. And before I go, I just want to give another thanks to Dr. Henry Cloud. If you are interested in what you heard about his new book, Trust, I recommend you go get the book. In fact, go to drcloud.com trust and check it out right away. And if you're a business owner and you're interested in learning more about our Business Accelerator coaching program, trust me, go to businessaccelerator.com coach. We help busy but growth-minded small business owners just like you scale yourself and your business so you can win at work and succeed at life. It's what we call the double win. And if you'd like to experience that for yourself, go to businessaccelerator.com slash coach. That's it. We'll be back next week with more conversations to help you accelerate your business. Ken, do you know what's happening right now? No, I have no idea. <laughs> well, first of all, it's your favorite time of year, finally. It's, yes! We can act, okay, like I give approval for us to actually listen to Christmas music now that Thanksgiving's over. Jingle bells, jingle bells. Yes. Uh, it's our holiday sale here at Full Focus. Oh, And we have better. some really awesome deals going on, especially if for some reason you missed out on our Black Friday deals. This is a great time to get your planners and everything for the new year. And so we have got uh, some awesome deals. So we've got 10% off site-wide. Um, we've got where you can get a free um, Your Best Year Ever vinyl sticker pack. For any new planner subscription that you sign up for. So these are great to put on things like your Stanley mug. Wow, you already put them on your Stanley mug? And if you got them them on Black Friday, these are different. These are going to be new for the new year. Uh, But they're great for that. You can also put them on your planner. You can put them on your computer, wherever you want them. 
But they're great. Good. They're great stickers. We're also doing 25% off courses. Let's go. So specifically, we've been talking a lot about our goal setting course. Um, and this is going to be $75 off and you get a free ticket to your best year ever live with your purchase. So you definitely don't, it's huge. like a crazy, crazy, crazy deal. So you don't want to miss out on that. And your favorite thing, which is our certification program we're doing $800 off of it. And this is a fantastic time of year to get in. Um, we are actually going to be doing a beta group for our new digital planner. Yes. It's going to be fantastic. Crazy exciting. So anyways, go to fullfocusstore.com now shop our holiday sale. Make sure to use the code holiday 10 to get all these deals and more.